Hey everyone, welcome to Overlake Christian Church. We're so excited that you're here today. In a few minutes, we'll join together in worship and then hear a message from one of our pastors on our current teaching series. All together, we'll be here for just over an hour. One of our sayings around here is that connection is everything. And we would love for you to connect with those around you here in the service and out in the hallway after the service today. Throughout the year, we'll be promoting events that enable you to connect with your parish and connecting groups, as well as connecting to serve in your community. first time with us today, welcome. We are so glad that you're here. If you have any questions or need any information, then please swing by one of our info desks in the main hallway after service. There you'll find friendly people and a delicious gift waiting for you. there are many opportunities to serve. If you need any information about any of these various ministries, from Kidtown Children's Ministry to behind the scenes on a Sunday morning, then note that on the connection card in your handout, and we'll make sure to get you all the information that you need. Thanks so much for being here today. We believe church isn't a building to gather in on a Sunday, but that it's a family where we can come together, both here in our building and out in the community. We hope that you have a great time at service this morning.
so wonderful to be singing praise to Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, hey, I want you to do this. Why don't you high five somebody before you sit down? Go ahead. Just, just give somebody a high five. Come on. All right. Excellent. Well done. <laughs> All right. And you can grab your notes out of your handout as you take a seat. My name's Mike, one of the pastors on the team. Uh, the, the stuff we've just been singing about is actually the stuff we're going to be talking about today. And you can see that today's uh, sort of the title of our series is text. And what's interesting is, I, I don't know, do you, if you send texts, raise your hand if you have text messaging on your phone. Anybody? Yeah, so that's most people who are awake. So... Um, yeah, exactly. And, and here's what's interesting is you send a text to your buddy or, you know, your, your, your family member or something. And then if you don't hear back from them, you ask them a question. You ask the question, did you get my text? Right? You never ask the question, did you read my text? Have you noticed that? We don't say, did you read my text? Because there's a, a built-in assumption that if the text was delivered to you, that you've read it. Does that make sense? And so that's kind of an interesting thing. Did you get my text? Well, here's the interesting thing. God has sent us a text, right? God has given us, some of you are mind blown right there. God has given us a text, and so what we want to do today is we, want, we just want to get into the text, we want to read the text, and then we want to put it into practice. We want to apply the text in our lives. So I think my podium just did a switcheroo here. Whoa, whoa, oh boy, oh boy, this is going to be, this is going to be great. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to hold on. 
and try not to get seasick here. All right, here we go. Uh, what we want to do is we want to talk about a text from Daniel chapter 3. And so that's on your, you, you know, on your notes. And here's a little backstory before we get into this is Babylon uh, was an enemy nation to Israel. It had come in and actually conquered Israel. It had sacked Jerusalem and had taken back captives to Babylon to live there and, and, and basically enslaved a whole group of young men and women. Uh, these, these were young and educated. Um, and, and some of their names you might know, like Daniel or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and these, uh, these four specifically individuals, they really impressed their captors and their new masters because not only were they strong and handsome and willing to learn, but they, they, were, they were so firm in their belief in God. And they lived their life in such a strong a way of integrity, they just would not compromise their faith in the one true God. And so because of this integrity, they actually gained positions of rank and authority in Babylon. So here's what I want you to see. Before we even get into this is that, that Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego were fully persuaded of a couple of things. They were fully persuaded that God was real and that God loved them and that God was with them. And so you just need to understand this idea of fully persuaded that even though their nation had been, you know, taken over by the Babylonians, even though they had been taken as slaves back to this distant land, even though things weren't going the way they thought their life was going to go, they lived fully persuaded that God was real and that God loved them and God was with them. And so before we even get into the text, we can actually put that into practice. So if you're filling in the blanks, before the test comes in your life. Decide to live fully persuaded. You know, there's, a, uh, there, there's this traveling group that goes around America called the Cirque du Soleil. And, and these people in Cirque du Soleil, they do these just absolutely amazing feats, right? The kind of death-defying feats. There's jumping and tra trapeze. They climb poles. They, they just do all of these things. And, and, and it's so amazing. When you watch it, it's just like, ah, oh, it blows your mind. But you have to understand that when you sit in that seat and you watch the show, that's not the first time they've done that. Right? They've been practicing for a long, long time. And they've been, they've been, they start with little steps and they grow to bigger steps and, and, and they have to trust one another. You know, they, have to, they have to trust their equipment you know, as they're flying on a trapeze. They have to trust their partner who's going to catch them as they let go of this trapeze and, and catch the arms of, of their, their partner on the other trapeze. Like they, they have to be fully persuaded that this thing is going to work out well. They don't just show up on show night and just give it a shot, right? And I just want you to understand in our faith, that's the same thing, is we've got to live fully persuaded now before the test ever comes. We've got to live fully persuaded now before showtime begins. Like this is the time for us to practice living fully persuaded that God is real and that God loves us and that God is with us. So that's where we start with this thing. And, and, and uh, we're going to jump into the text. One other character you need to know is the king of Babylon at this time. His name is Nebuchadnezzar. Can you guys say that with me? Nebuchadnezzar. All right. Now, he is a piece of work. He is a royal hot mess. And we're going to see about that in just a moment. But here's, here we're going to jump in. Daniel 3, verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, and magistrates. By the way, Daniel loves lists, so you'll see a few of them in this passage. And all the officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted out, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, that's list number two, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. At the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bow to the ground and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. All right, 
So a, a cool 90-foot statue is one thing, right? We can all appreciate art, can we not? Like, we, we understand that could be a cool thing. But a law demanding that you worship that statue or be incinerated, that's another thing. And this story got dark quick, didn't it? And, and I want you to see what's, what's interesting to me is, you know, a, a good parenting tip is you want to make sure that the consequence is actually connected to the offense, right? You want to make sure that, that whatever it is that, that the punishment entails will actually be somehow connected to the offense. And this really doesn't seem to make that kind of a sense, right? Um, I, I remember growing up in my home, we were... Uh, we were unloading or, or actually clearing off the dinner table one night. And it was my brother who was bringing the plates over. And I was rinsing the plates and putting them in the dishwasher. And my dad was taking care of the leftovers. And my dad kind of turns around from the fridge and he kicks his shin on the open dishwasher door. So he's, you know, her, he's like, oh, God. Oh, he said, that's it. The dog goes. We're like, Dad, that, that doesn't make any sense. We don't even have a dog, you know? I, so. but, but, but as a parent, just so you know, you make a note, like the, the, the consequence needs to be connected to the offense. Nebuchadnezzar, he never learns this lesson. But, but here's what I also want you to see. That in this passage, right, that, that there is, like, it starts off, you know, oh, there's a statue. We're all going to get together. It's going to be a great thing of national unity. Like, this is going to be wonderful. Appreciate art together, etc. But then it, it goes to a place of societal pressure. There's this conformity to bow the knee to a false god. And I just want you to understand that this is actually how the enemy of our soul works. That the enemy of our soul will be like this. That it starts with this vague sort of conceptual pressure and then the the heat is gonna get turned up. And that's certainly what happens to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I want you to understand that that's why the Apostle Paul says in Romans 12 that we're to not be conformed to this world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That that's what the Lord has for us. So let's keep going. Verse 8. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. Informed on, that's just an ancient way of saying Tattletales. Tattletales have been around from the beginning. So they're tattletales. They're informing on the Jews. They said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harps, pipes, and other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you've put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you've set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or worship the gold statue I've set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace, and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Okay. So the king flies into a rage. And I want you to understand that it, 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 the way pressure works is this. At first, the issue is just a vague, it's a societal pressure. Conform to this general rule. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they feel it. And they choose to stand for their faith. And it's just this, it's, it's kind of a vague, it's, it's an all-nation thing. But now, it's personal, isn't it? Because now they have been brought in front of the king. And now the TV cameras are on. And now everybody in the nation is watching how they're going to respond. And so you just see that the test, it just went from sort of general to very specific. It just went from kind of a a warm test to now the heat is on. And what's interesting, and I don't know if you're like me, but I, I tend to live in a way that I feel like prevention is better than the cure. And so if, you know, I tend to think like, you know, hey, let's, let's live right on the front end, right? Let's, I'll drink my eight glasses of water every day and I'll go to the bathroom 12 times and, 
you know, I'll, I'll make sure I eat my greens and I'll drive the speed limit. I know some of you, you know, sin, but I, I try to drive the speed limit. And, and you know, I, it's just like I, I trust in God and I pay my bills. And I, I just, I, I sort of have this little thought in the back of my head that as long as you live well, as long as you're living right, as long as you're trying to glorify the Lord, that, that the test doesn't come. But I want you to understand that that's actually not the promise of Scripture. That's actually not what we read in the text. You see, despite all our efforts in a fallen world, the test still can come. You can still have a heart attack. Your mom can still get cancer. Your marriage could still fall apart. Your children could still rebel. You could lose your job. The list goes on and on. Or you might be pressured to conform at your work, to compromise your ethics. You might feel pressure to take credit for work other people have done. You might feel pressure to, to be dishonest about the faith that you hold dear. There are all sorts of ways that pressure can start to build up. And, and when it does, when the test begins, it's so important to return to what you know is true. It's so important to remember what it is that you are fully persuaded of, that God is real Amen. and that God loves you and the God is with you. So look at how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego respond to this pressure. It's, it's so cool. This might be my favorite passage in all of scripture. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Wow. You see, it's just so calm and so clear because they're so fully persuaded. You see, God will save us or he won't. He has the power, but he might choose not to for reasons that we don't understand. But either way, okay, we will not worship this statue. And so when the test is on and, and the pressure is personal and the hits keep on coming, that's the time to rise up with the attitude of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see, God can rescue me from cancer, but even if he does not, I will not bow down. God can restore my marriage, but even if he does not, I will not bow down. God can cause me to prosper, but even if he does not, I will not bow down. God can heal my child. But even if he does not, I will not bow down. God can rescue me from the Nebuchadnezzar in my life. But even if he does not, I will not bow down. And it brings us to the next truth. And it's this. In the middle of the test, we hold on to his promise. In the middle of the test, we hold on to the promises of God. And you say, well, what are those? The Bible is filled with promise. But I want to tell you, in the midst of test, this is what you need to hold on to. You need to hold on to God saying, I will be with you. You need to hold on to God's promise that says, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You need to hold on to Jesus saying, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You need to hear his words in your life. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You see, hold on to the promises that God has made to us. And what's so cool is they calmly say, we are not even going to defend ourselves to you, O king. We will not bow down to you. Amen. I was thinking if there's one thing that an angry person hates the most is a calm response in a way they did not want to be responded to. And so Nebuchadnezzar just, he was already in a rage, right? But look what happens next. It says, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. It's, it's basically the first Hulk appearance, right? Like he just, he just loses it. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. So think about this. It's already lethal. Now it's lethal times seven, right? That's, that's how hot this thing is. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants and turbans and robes and other garments. Uh, Daniel's just a stickler for the details, right? 
And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. You know, right now, in your life, things might be heating up. In fact, they might be heating up seven times more hot than they normally are. As you face unemployment that lingers, or a custody battle that has become way more ugly than you thought, or a sickness or a mental illness. You, you might have actually stood up for the Lord in your faith, and things immediately get worse. You tried to lead forward well, but now the attacks are coming from new directions. You, you suddenly find yourself looking into a fire like nothing you've ever seen in your life. I want you to listen to this carefully. You thought God would save you from the fire. You prayed that God would save you from the fire, but now you're being thrown in. Do not despair. Because our preference is always that God would save us from the fire. But there are times when God wants to save us in the fire. There are times when God wants to bring us through the fire. And so this passage from Isaiah, it's, it's so powerful. And I, I, I bring it to you because I want you to wrestle with this. But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Amen. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. In that passage, I would just love to have you circle the word through. Just circle the word through again and again and again. Friends, God might not save you from the fire, but then he will bring you through the fire. And when you walk through the fire of cancer or sickness or financial difficulty, you will not be burned. Nebuchadnezzar made the fire so hot it killed his strongest soldiers. Fire can be deadly. But friends, you, fully persuaded, holding on to his promises, you shall not be burned. And this is what it means to have a faith that overcomes. In like fact, you just might want to write that word on the margin somewhere. This is what overcome looks like. This is the faith of the Apostle Paul. When despite shipwreck and snakebite, when despite being stoned as if to death, he continues to persevere. He overcomes. It's the faith of all the earliest disciples. It's the faith of the martyrs. It's, it's the saints who have gone before us upon whose shoulders we stand. See, the miracle is... That God saves us through the fire. Amen. Jesus tells us, he says, in this world, you're going to have trial and you're going to have trouble. But take heart, he says, I have overcome the world and in me you will overcome as well. And so that's what we see in the text that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego live as overcomers. They're fully persuaded, holding on to the promise of God, overcomers. In their faith. God can save us from the fire, but even if he doesn't, we are fully persuaded that he is real and that he loves us and that he is with us and he will bring us through the fire. Amen. Brings us to this next truth that in the midst of the test, we experience his protection. Amen. In the midst, right in the middle of the thing is when we experience his protection. Verse 24 says, but suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Uh, yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. They, in other words, they can count in Babylon. They know how to count. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Amen. Well, a couple of things let's pull out of this passage. The first is that the men were unbound. Can you say that word with me? Unbound. See, when you're tested and thrown into the furnace, the one thing that the Lord allows to be burnt away from you is the rope that was holding you down. The one thing you need to see is when you walk through the fire, chains will break. 
And the enemy of your soul has been trying to keep you living a contained and a small and a safe life. No more. You see, chains break in the fire. Bonds are loosed in the fire. You wanted God to keep you out of the fire, but God uses the fire to set your hearts free. Amen. You know, it's so funny because you, you, you think, and I think, that we're being tested because somehow we've made God angry. Somehow God's mad at us. Somehow we've done something wrong. But this passage shows us that God actually uses the fire to upgrade us and to unburden us and to burn our anxiety and our fear away as we live into the protection that he provides for us. It's an amazing truth, and, and, and I want us to get it. And then, of course, there's another being in the furnace with them. And if you do any work on this, you'll see that most scholars believe, as I do, that this is an appearance of the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. Amen. That Jesus is actually with them Amen. in the furnace. That Jesus reveals himself in the fire. And this is for us, that the most important thing for us to remember when we are in the furnace of testing is that Jesus is right there with us. That the Lord walks with us through the fire. Whatever the trouble may be, whatever the trial is, you will have a tangible sense of his presence with you. And Jesus reveals himself to you. And so I encourage you that if you're in the midst of that, look for deeper experiences of his presence in your life. Look for richer experiences of worship. Look for more authentic and connective moments with the God of the universe with you right now. That's the unexpectedly beautiful part of what the test can provide for you. Verse 26, then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace. He couldn't come too close, right? Because soldiers died. So comes as close as he could to the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come over here. He's much more humble. You see, that was the humble Nebuchadnezzar. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officials... Uh, high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed. Their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Now, now that, for sure, I mean, I, I can't even grill a chicken breast without smelling of smoke. So that's a, that's a true, you know, miracle right there. So here's what, here's what this passage says. This passage says they came through the test unscathed. You might want to write that down somewhere. The unscathed, right? And, and sometimes God brings us through the test unaffected, smelling like roses, not sweating a bit, just absolutely unscathed. You know, they came out of the furnace and they were like, ooh, that was cozy. Right? They were like, ooh, it felt like a warm, snuggly blanket on me, you know? That furnace was like a hot cup of cocoa. I just, you know, they're just so... Like it's unscathed, right? Absolutely unscathed. Their hair, like it wasn't curly and smoky. It was unscathed. And, and I just want to be real for a second and tell you that sometimes we come through the test unscathed. But there are other times when we come through the test scathed. I don't know if that's a word, but it fits here, right? Scathed. And it, it, sometimes after a wrestle, we walk with a limp. That's also biblical. Sometimes after the fire, our hair is cinched and our clothes do smell of smoke and we have to wipe the sweat and the tears from our eyes. And I know dear friends, and some of them are in this room right now, who have come through trial and whose lives are forever altered. And yet they know that God has carried them through and that God will continue to do so. Amen. I just want to say that there is no shame in coming through scathe. There is no shame in walking with a limp and recognizing that the furnace has altered your life for the rest of your life. My friends, Matt and Catherine, walk with a limp. And my friends, Aaron and Jennifer. My friends, Rob and Linda. My friends, Stephen and Amy. But you see, in the midst of their test, what they do is they hold firm to the truths that they are fully persuaded of. That God is real and that God loves them and that God is with them in this and and, and they hold on to these promises and, and they know that they're key to living well. They're the key to overcoming. And so we keep reading in verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb and their houses turned into heaps of rubble. You know, he just doesn't get it, right? It's like this god of love thing. He just, he just misses it totally. There is no other God who can rescue like this. So even though Nebuchadnezzar misses the, you know, the whole point about God's heart, here's what he does get clearly, and you can write this down. When you finish your test, others will worship Jesus. When you come through tested and true, when you stay the course, no matter what the flames or the furnace entails, you will see that others will worship Jesus because of your witness. And for those of you who, who might know my dear friends, Pastor Jake and his wife, Davy, they walked such a hard road, tested by the hottest furnace, and ultimately they lost their beautiful daughter, Maggie. But every step of the way, they held tightly to Jesus. And, and now who knows how many lives have been impacted by that? Who, who knows how many people ha have been encouraged in their own faith? Who knows how many new decisions, how many, how many lives have been altered for eternity because they were tested and stayed true. And, and when you finish your test glorifying the Lord, others will glorify him as well. And there's one last exclamation point on this story. I, I love how the kind of the whole thing wraps with this verse. Then the king promoted. You might want to circle that phrase. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. That's the last fill-in here. After the test, God will promote you. Amen. He will promote you. He will elevate you. He will upgrade you. When you have been tested and stayed true, he will elevate you to the next level. He will upgrade your faith and your joy. The fire may have been your, your greatest test, but on the other side, you will see promotion. You'll experience spiritual promotion because the fire always refines. The fire will always burn away the non-essentials in your life. You will also encounter promotion in your career or in your uh, relationships. You'll experience greater favor from the Lord. But all because you have come through your furnace. You have come through your fire. I really don't want us to miss this. What we, what we always pray for, and I don't think it's a bad prayer to pray, but we always pray, God, keep us from the test. Keep us from the fire. I'm telling you that there's something beautiful that God does to us in the fire. Amen. There's something beautiful and miraculous that God wants for us in the midst of our own personal furnace. I know you may have heard this story before. It's certainly not original, and I can't remember the first time I heard it. But it's about a man who comes across a silkworm moth emerging from a cocoon. And he sees that this silkworm moth is struggling to get out of the small opening in the cocoon. And it's working and it's working and it's kind of stuck right there. And, and having a kind heart, the man wants to make it easier for this moth. So he takes out a knife and, and he just very carefully opens up the cocoon a little bit more so that the moth can emerge easily. But what the man doesn't understand is that for the silkworm, the struggle out of the cocoon pushes the fluids and the oils off of the wings of the moth. And so when the moth emerges from the cocoon, it is able to soar. And by this man employing his kindness toward the moth, what he did was make it easy for the moth to get out of the cocoon, but then condemned it to a life on the ground which was short and pointless. And I want you to understand this clearly, friends, that, that God has the power to make everything easy for you. Right. Not a doubt in my mind that God could snap his fingers and everything could be easy for you and for me. Right. By the way, that I do believe is what heaven is going to be like. I think there's going to be an incredible ease. There's going to be an incredible sense of empowerment that happens in eternity. But I... I just want you to understand that right now, God isn't as interested in making it easy as he is in you soaring. Praise the Lord. 
He, he wants you to fly. He, he wants you to live full and free and abundant. He, he wants the very, very best for you. He wants you to understand that you are an overcomer in this life. And yes, this world has fallen. And yes, there's trouble and trial and test. But you will not be burned because God will bring you through the fire. And you will be better because of it. Amen? And so that's what it is that, that we see from this passage of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That God has good things in store for those who remain fully persuaded that he is real and that he loves them and that he's with them. You know, as I, as I, as I close our time together, I just, I, I wanna, I just wanna share personally for a moment that for me, this last month or so has maybe been the most difficult part of my ministry for 28 years. It's it just in so many ways, I feel like the test is so real, that the, the fire of this furnace is hotter than I've ever seen. That the, the, the way in which challenge comes, it's like I, it's coming from all direction. There, there's, there's leadership challenge, there's communication challenge. I got in a car accident with Pastor Pat. It's not his fault. He was a passenger, but I'm, I'm going to blame him anyway. And... So as I was prepping this message and I was preparing, you know, reading this text again and again, praying over it, I realized that I, I'm going to preach to myself today. And I realize, you know, I'm not the only one. I know. I know some of you are right in the midst of the furnace, too. My friends Kevin and Chantel, they're right in the hottest part of the furnace. My friends Mark and Leslie, it's just seven times hotter than they'd ever thought it would be. And maybe that's where you are, too. So if you're here with me in the middle of this furnace, let's hold this truth to be prophetically true for us. Amen? Let's hold on to these truths and let's say, I'm going to remain fully persuaded that God is real and that God loves me and that God is with me. Amen? We're going to say, I'm going to hold on to the promises of God that he says, I will hold you up with my mighty right hand, that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Right? We're going to say, we're going to stay true and we're going to come through this test so that other people will worship Jesus. Amen. And then prophetically, I just want to say maybe, and I don't even know what it looks like for you, I don't know what it looks like for me, but just maybe as we come through the furnace, that we will be promoted. Amen? Amen? Amen. Yeah? All right. Yeah. Well, why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes and... Let's just ask the Lord for his help. Jesus, we want to say thank you for the way that you choose to come and to journey with us. You choose to be with us in the times where we experience your blessings and the times when life is wonderful and great and everything is smooth sailing. And then we also acknowledge that just like with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when the furnace is the hottest, you choose to come. You choose to come right into the midst of the furnace with us. And it's in the midst of that furnace that you whisper your love to us. You say, don't give up. In the midst of that furnace, you, you just whisper your love over us and, and you say, stay true. I'm right here. I'm never leaving. You're the one who comes and, and, and you decide in your grace and wisdom to not save us from the fire, but to bring us through the fire so that others may glorify your name and praise your name. Jesus, we choose to hold on to these truths today. We hold them prophetically. We hold them in confidence and faith. We remain fully persuaded that you're real and that you love us and that you're with us right now.
praying all these things in the name of our Savior and our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Well, we're going to continue to worship the Lord Jesus today uh, with the giving of our gifts and tithes and offerings, and we'll keep going into worship. I, I do want to encourage you to grab these connection cards that are in your handout and take just a moment and, and finish filling those out. Uh, if you have any updated information, please put that on there. And then on the back, you'll notice there's room for prayer requests. We pray for your requests. We pray for these needs. We lift them to the Lord each and every week. So don't hesitate to put those things down. If you made a spiritual decision today, if you decided today was a day that you wanted to place your trust in Jesus Christ, let us know. We celebrate that with you or recommitted your life to him. Uh, we celebrate that as well. And, and then you'll notice some information about things coming up. We got baptisms coming up in a couple of weeks, and so you can check those as well. But uh, you can drop these in the bucket. If, if this is your first time, we're so glad that you're with us. Hold on to your card, and, and you can stop by the Connection Center on your way out today. Trade in that card for a gift. It's just our way of saying thank you so much for being here, okay? And again, you can drop these cards in the buckets along with any tithes, gifts, or offerings. So ushers, why don't you come, and we'll collect those, and, and let's continue to worship Jesus together. Let's stand and respond.
together making that proclamation about God's faithfulness. He's with us and uh, let's go just proclaiming those words not just here but as we leave, as we travel throughout this week and uh, continue on. I want to pray a blessing over you but before I do just a couple things. Um, uh, next week as we uh, approach the Easter season we're beginning a new, season, uh, a, a new series that will prepare our hearts and help us start thinking about how we uh, can celebrate Easter as families and as a church focused on the person of Jesus. And so um, let's make plans to be together for that. And then as always, if you need prayer for anything, we'd love to pray with you before you go. I'm sure this morning maybe Pastor Mike's message is stirring up some things just as you're reflecting on where you're at and as you're experiencing the different testing and trials and challenges that come with life. So if, if there's anything going on that we can be praying with you about, we'd sure love to do that before you go. As you're heading out on the second floor, you'll see signs directing you over to the prayer alcove where, where our prayer team is, and um, let's, let's do that. Well, why don't we bow, bow our heads together right now, though, and receive these words. And now may you go fully convinced that whatever test may come, the God of love is with you, that he will never leave, never forsake you, May you rest in him and lean into the arms of a community of Christ followers who remind you in tangible ways that you are not forgotten. Amen. Amen. Well, enjoy the sunshine out there today, and we'll see you next Sunday. Feel like lightning hit my veins.